0: This is Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. And today I'm being joined by David Briscoe. David's one of the members of the editorial team in the adult area. So David, thank you for being with us today.
1: I'm glad to be here, Dwayne.
0: Today we're looking at the first session of our study of Proverbs. This really sets the tone for the rest of the book. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 19 of chapter 1 of Proverbs. And I'm just going to walk us through that passage to begin with and how we've got it outlined in our curriculum resources. We begin with verse 7 as just calling it the starting point. In that passage, Solomon declared that fearing God is the starting point for acquiring knowledge, wisdom, and discipline. In verses 8 and 9, we're calling that, in our outline section, path of obedience. In those passages, Solomon called on young people to heed godly parental counsel, explaining that obedience to God's wisdom leads to favor in life. Verses 10 through 14, the focus is on resist sin. In those passages, in 10 through 14, Solomon urged God's people to resist temptation to go along with those who love violence and greed. Or The last section in this particular passage, verses 15 through 19, we've entitled that, Sin's Results. In these passages, Solomon characterized the rebelling against godly wisdom as self-destructive with the participants unable to see the end result. David, one of the things that's focal or central in this whole section here is this idea of fear of the Lord. In fact, the Bible skill that's in the personal study guide and daily scholarship guide focuses on that term, looking at at different things. There's a pack item uh, in the adult leader pack, pack item 11, which is a handout, which is entitled Fear of God, which the uh, Bible skill, if I remember right, uh, tells you to use a bible dictionary that's correct and, and the pack item is a bible dictionary entry so you could have that to hand out for them to complete that bible skill uh, h- how can we help our group grasp the significance of this phrase david?
1: all right uh, let me say first of all that proverbs one seven uh, has as sort of a uh, a twin um, and that's in proverbs nine, 10, 9 chapter nine verse ten. And so in 1-7, it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in Proverbs nine ten, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we've said before that knowledge is what you know, and wisdom is often what you do with what you know, how you act on what you know. And so in both of those cases, we're really talking about parallel meanings there, that the fear of the Lord is connected, whether it's what you know or whether it's what you're doing, uh, the fear of the Lord is uh, the starting point for that. And so I'd, I'd like to, uh, to just kind of take that apart a little bit, uh, first of all, by talking about that, that word, the beginning, fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom. Uh, the word beginning can emphasize one of two things. First, it can be the first in a sequence, okay? So one, two, three, and so the beginning is number one. But it can also emphasize something that is chief in importance. Uh, really, both of these ideas are very helpful to us as we think about that. So in talking about the fear of the Lord, uh, let's just mark down to begin with that it's, it's a starting point, but it's also a most important. Starting point. It's the chief in importance uh, in terms of uh, having knowledge or having wisdom, knowing how to live. So let's focus a minute on the word then fear. Uh, The Bible Dictionary entry talks about what fear is Uh, it's a natural emotional response to a perceived threat to one's security uh, or general welfare. Now, when we say a natural emotional response, what we mean by that is that it's something that God built into us. It uh, doesn't mean that it's uh, anything that's just of our own doing. It's, what, it's how God made us. And so we have this emotional response to uh, people, to things, to situations that arise. Uh, and we can also say that fear happens to us on a spectrum of intensity. You know, it, it might be something, just a, a mild concern, a worry, a little worry, but it can also range to something that is really just sheer terror. Uh, petrifies us. Just petrified, exactly. So in that range of meanings, uh, fear then is, uh, it, it can be uh, good for us if it leads us to appropriate caution or to actions that preserve our life, our, our well-being. But on the other hand, it can be detrimental as well if we become so severely afraid, so severely uh, and prolonged fearful that we're essentially paralyzed by it. We can't act. We can't do anything because we are so afraid. And then let's add the the remainder of the phrase there. It's the fear of the Lord. Now, the Lord is a special word in the Old Testament because... Uh, it refers to Yahweh. It's the uh, what's sometimes called the Tetragrammaton, which means it's those four Hebrew letters that, together, uh, is the name that God revealed to Moses uh, to tell the Israelites, this, this is the God that I'm talking about. This is the God who's going to lead you out of Egypt and call you into covenant. It's the Lord, Yahweh, the one true and living God, who established a covenant uh, people in Israel. And through that people, by the way, eventually sent the Son of God into the world as the Messiah, Savior, and Lord. So the fear of the Lord, it has as much to do with, uh, with being an Israelite as it does being a, a Christian. Uh, it calls us uh, to have a particular relationship with the Lord. Uh, it's how we relate to Him. And if we're enemies of the Lord, then it would be an appropriate response to be terrified. Be a different kind of fear. Yes, because uh, Hebrews 10.31, for example, tells us it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God as an enemy of him, as someone who rejects him uh, or replaces him with an idol. Now, if we're believers... Uh, We have no reason to be terrified of the Lord but we still should be filled with awe and respect and submissiveness toward the Lord. I think about the occasions where an angel of the Lord appeared to one of God's people and the first thing he would have to say is, don't be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Okay, So there is a sense in which we do as believers need to be in awe of God. We're not his equal. Uh, we are his servant, we're his creation, we're his people in Christ. And so we need to have that awe and that respect and that awareness of who he is and submission toward him. But we we don't need to be terrified of him because he loves us, because he wants us to know him and to relate to him uh, in a right way.
0: David, in verses 11 through 14 where... Solomon's talking about resisting temptation. Uh, we see the use of the pronoun us. How does the promise of being a part of a group
1: impact our choices here? Well, I think that's uh, an important uh, question for Bible study groups, for example. You have, you have that uh, reality of a, of a group setting. And, and we, I think, could start by just recognizing that as human beings, we are social beings. That, that's the way God made us as well. And so we naturally, we naturally crave the group experience. In fact, we enter the world as part of a group. Uh, we come as part of a family, and that's, that's that first group that we're a part of. Uh, and that group ha- obviously has significant impact on us. Uh, we, we're nurtured, we're trained, we learn in the context of that group that we call the family. But as we all know from experience as well, we get to be teenagers and and, and we're in school and we find, hey, there there's some other groups out there as well, (laughs) groups of our peers, for example. And even within the groups of our peers, we find that there are little groups that might form uh, groups of the cool kids or groups of the, the athletic team or whoever they might be, there are these groups. Uh, that form and uh, we naturally want to be a part of some of these Uh, but now this is the reason (laughs) that Solomon is warning his sons about being careful related to uh, what groups that you want to be a part of and so for example in chapter 1 verse 10 he says if sinners entice you don't be persuaded. So he envisioned this gang almost, a group of, of uh, young men who just, all they wanted to do was just uh, wreak havoc and, and create violence and, and rob people. And so um, Solomon was warning his sons, don't, don't let yourself become a part of groups like that because you have this pressure within peer groups uh, uh, to go along to get along, and, uh, but on the other hand, again, there, there are groups that are built around true friendship, camaraderie, bringing out the best in us. I, I think of the example of the church, and within the example of the church, you, you have, for example, Bible study groups. Now those uh, are good groups to be a part of because they encourage us, we have fellowship, we bond together, we help each other, pray for one another, we spur each other on to good deeds. So uh, we are we're social beings by, by creation, by the way God made us. But we want to be careful about the groups that we become part of because we want to be part of those groups that lead us closer to the Lord and to living for Him. We, we want to make that work for us. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely verses 15 through 19, which is the last section that we'll look at in this first session, you see this idea of the self-destructive nature of sin and that it goes unnoticed. Why is it so hard to see sin in our old lives that's gonna lead us down that path of self-destruction?
1: Okay, this is a place where I'd really like to use that old uh, strategy of letting scripture uh, help us understand other scripture. And so there, there are a couple of passages I want us to, uh, to think about. One is in James, book of James in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, where it talks about the temptation to sin, uh, and it says that we, we should never blame God for our temptation because he doesn't te- uh, tempt anyone. But then it goes on uh, to say, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. So that to me underscores uh, this fact that the essential nature of sin is self-deception. That, that's what sin is. We deceive ourselves as James was putting it in uh, James 1, 13 to 15. But then the other passage I want you to think about is more of a, a, a word picture. It's It's that passage in Genesis 3 where Eve uh, is approached by the serpent uh, and she is tempted, uh, related to that one tree in the midst of the garden that God had said that they are not to eat from it, they are not to touch it, because in the day you do, you will die. And in fact, that's exactly what Eve told the serpent At the beginning, we can eat from any of the trees in the garden, but not this one. God said, don't eat of it, don't touch it, or you'll die. Now, what did Satan say? You won't die. In fact, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, in that statement, Satan planted two seeds of temptation. One was the seed of doubt. You won't die. God said you would, but you won't. You're doubting God in that. Doubting God, absolutely. The second was a seed of deceit. Oh, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And guess what? The Bible tells us in the next verse that Eve looked at that tree again. She saw its fruit. And guess what she saw this time? She saw that it was good for food. Mmm, beautiful. Looked tasty. And then it says... And she saw that it was good for gaining wisdom. Now, how did she get that information? How did that idea come into her mind? Well, the seed was planted by the tempter, by Satan. And then she believed it. She swallowed it. She deceived herself into thinking that, oh, she's going to get something from eating this fruit that God didn't tell her that she would get. So that's, that's why it's so hard for us to see. We, we deceive ourselves. All of us, since Adam and Eve, uh, have this nature of sin when we get here. And so we, um, uh, we, it's, it's difficult for us. In fact, without, without the power of God working in us, uh, we, we simply can't overcome uh, sin. It's, it gets the best of us and uh, creates the worst of us.
0: So the two verses you noted there, David, were James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, and then Genesis 3, which is really the story of the fall of man. Exactly, yeah.
1: Are there any other key insights you would want to bring out relative to this passage? Well, uh, you know, I I would just point out that uh, it's a case where in this passage, Solomon uses a, a proverb within a proverb in verse 17 where he talks about it's useless to spread a net where any bird can see it. Uh, so he's really, he, he's talking about the value of Proverbs and, and his son's learning uh, wisdom, gaining wisdom. But in that, he, he uses this little uh, proverb of, about uh, spreading a net where any bird can see it. And the point of that little proverb within the proverb uh, was, is that Uh, You know, if you're bound by sin and self-deception, not only can you not see danger, you won't see danger. Uh, There's a 16th century uh, Christian named John Haywood who is uh, credited with this quote that there are none so blind as those who will not see. But Jesus had made a, a, a similar accusation against Uh, the Pharisees and other religious leaders of his day who knew the truth, could see the truth, but they wouldn't see the truth. They wouldn't accept that Jesus was the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. So uh, that's an interesting factor in this passage as well in verse 17. David, thank you for sharing with us. I think you're going to be
0: here week four a couple other times through this particular summer. so That's We look great. forward to, to spending time with you during those weeks as well. Uh, I do want to thank you for listening to us today. If you have any comments or questions you're welcome to send me an email at duane.mccrary.lifeway.com that is d-w-a-y-n-e dot m-c-c-r-a-r-y and I'll do my best to answer your questions and if I don't know the answer I'll do my best to find the right person who can answer your question. Join us next week as we look at the second session. We'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12.